When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm your host, Ariana Bravo, and this is the Autosport Podcast. Where do we even start? The Hungarian Grand Prix was non-stop with drama and chaos, ultimately finishing up with Esteban Ocon securing his first ever Formula One. He was joined on the podium by Sebastian Vettel and Lewis Hamilton. However, as we go into recording, Vettel is currently at risk of losing that second place as one litre of fuel could not be obtained post-race and this is being investigated by the stewards. So stay tuned on that one. If anything breaks as we are recording, of course, we will bring it straight to you. First lap chaos resulted in five drivers being eliminated after Valtteri Bottas locked up and took out Lando Norris and Sergio Perez, with Max Verstappen also getting caught in the collision. Meanwhile, Lance Stroll also had troubles and collided with Charles Leclerc, which then caused Daniel Ricciardo to spin. But the McLaren managed to survive the incident, whilst Bottas, Perez, Norris, Stroll and Leclerc all retired soon after and the red flag was brought out. We had a particularly bizarre moment when it came to the race restart as all the remaining drivers except Lewis Hamilton returned to the pits after the second formation lap to swap their inters for medium slicks, but Hamilton stayed out, resulting in him taking the standing start all alone and instead having to pit a lap later and dropping to the back while Esteban Ocon took the lead. As the race unfolded, Esteban Ocon maintained that lead, resisting pressure from Sebastian Vettel, while late in the race, Hamilton was on the charge, hoping to get back the win, but some absolutely incredible defensive driving by the second Alpine of Fernando Alonso held the Mercedes back, ultimately helping Ocon secure that win. 
There have been a number of investigations by the stewards, several drivers receiving reprimands, and we are going to be covering as much of it as we can in today's podcast. And joining me to chat is Jess McFadden, Director of Digital Strategy at Motorsport Network, and Luke Smith, F1 reporter for Autosport. Guys, we have a lot to get through today. Thank you for joining me. I know you are both probably absolutely exhausted from all of today's action, but we're going to kick it off the same way we always do, and that is going to be with ratings out of 10. You guys haven't even thought about this yet, probably, but we're going to go straight into it. Luke, I'm putting you on the spot first this time. Well, if we say that 10 out of 10 is like the perfect Formula One race and therefore pretty much unobtainable, um, I think I put this as a nine. I think it had pretty much everything we, we could want. I think we had drama, we had a, a shock winner, we had, I think, quite a feel-good factor to it all as well. We had uh, a wet start, we had that dry transition, we had gambles in the pit stops, we had fights through the field, we had overtakes, um, we had a bit of drama on sort of team radio, uh, We uh, just everything. Like It was such a good race, it was such a good way for us to ride into the second half of the season and into the summer break. And honestly, I think after the amount of crap and toxicity there has been in Formula One over the past sort of two to three weeks or so. This is exactly the race we needed and the result we needed to wipe the slate clean and give us so much good stuff to talk about uh, as we're going to hopefully do through the rest of this podcast. Yes, absolutely. Jess, your rating out of 10. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to agree. I think I'd give it I'd give it a nine. Um, probably no higher than a nine. But as Luke pointed out, it, it had everything. Um, and I think... It, it, again, I, th- I got the same kind of feeling for it. I don't think the toxicity, unfortunately, is going to disappear. Um, there are still quite a lot of people out there. They're obviously very upset, especially with the Red Bull results today, which is still going to be something uh, that is going to ripple through into the second half of the season. But again, it's just showing how close the season is and how much it means to everybody that's watching, um, both as fans and us that are very fortunate to wor- work in the sport. But it was one of those races that just reminds you why Formula One is so incredible. It was one of those races that really reignites that passion uh, for racing and for the fact that we have this amazing championship that we that we get to talk about and work into because there was so much to pick apart from that race. We're still picking it apart. You know, Luke and I uh, offline have been picking apart rules and regulations and what happens in this scenario and that scenario just to try and understand what uh, what actually happened out there at the Hungaroring, um, which, it, you know, it, that's good. It, it pushes the sport forward. It pushes the competitiveness forward. It pushes the championship forward. And as, as Luke said, we've got that feel-good story both in Ocon, um, and mm, potentially not Vettel anymore, but Ocon and Vettel on the podium in terms of, you know, unlikely podium finishers, if we're going to, if we're going to call them that, um, kind of in terms of where the teams stack in this, uh, in this season. But also the Williams story is another great story. And we just saw so many individual performances that were so brilliant. We, we don't have enough time. We're probably not going to have enough time to talk about all of them. Um, which is unfortunate. But when you have a race like that, you know, you're onto a good one. If if we can't fit it into our hour slot, then it's been a, it's been a fantastic race. So yeah, I won't waffle on anymore. Let's get into the meaty stuff. And uh, <laughs> but overall, I am a very happy F one fan right now. I am also a very happy F one fan. I agree with both of you. It'll be a nine out of a ten for me as well. 
it just gave us everything, didn't it? It really did. It was just nonstop. It pulled on all of our emotions, whether it was the retirements, the win, the re- everything. It just, yeah, had it absolutely all. We're going to get straight into it. I mean, I don't really know where to start, but we're going to start at the start, as that seems like the most logical place in all of this craziness. And let's discuss that opening lap and all of the chaos from those collisions. Luke, just talk us through where it all went wrong there. Valtteri Bottas just kicking off an absolute chaotic scene. Yeah, totally. And I think that when we look at the start, I think it boils down into two separate incidents. So the first one was, as you say, pretty obvious. It was Valtteri Bottas um, at fault for that. So he made a pretty bad start and he slipped behind uh, Lando Norris and a couple of other drivers on that run down to turn one. And uh, yeah, then just appeared to completely misjudge his breaking point and clattered right into the back of Norris. That sent Norris then on into the path of Verstappen. Bottas's car then speared off uh, to the other side and went into the path of Perez. So it was both Red Bull cars sort of taken out in um, in one fell swoop. And um, Perez was eliminated on the spot, as was Bottas. Uh, Verstappen, he, was, he had a lot of damage on his car, lost his whole right-hand side barge board. Uh, but he was able to get back to the pits. And obviously under the red flag, they could do some repairs, but not all repairs because he did have a lot of damage he was carrying through the rest of the race. And I mean, looking at the onboard of that incident, I'm amazed he even got back in the race because it was such a big hit. And it really did hit that sort of very um, fragile sort of area of the, of the car, sort of between the the uh, between the wheel and the barge board, I guess, sort of where you got the um, the sort of suspension, everything quite exposed. So yeah, I think he was he was quite fortunate there. And um, and then in the second instant, we saw Lance Stroll, who I I don't know where he was going. Like it looks like he kind of was driving onto the grass. And he explained afterwards, like he was just trying to avoid all the incidents and everything going on. But he said that the moment he hit the brakes, he knew he'd messed up. And he kind of hit the brakes and tried to sort of get off to the right and um, to avoid Charles Leclerc in front of him, but didn't. Completely took out Leclerc. And uh, then that in turn spun Daniel Ricciardo as well. Obviously, you've got drivers kind of going all over the place to avoid these various incidents. And uh, yeah, then that led just to the to the crazy order that we were left with that would ultimately define how this race result um, looked. It was, uh, yeah, pretty dramatic instance. Um, obviously, Red Bull were pretty pretty unhappy. I think they made the comment that it's, yeah, taken out by Mercedes again on the first lap's not ideal. But yeah, not, obviously, let's not entertain any conspiracy theories or anything like that. But it's, um, it's yeah, very unfortunate for Red Bull, obviously. Very unfortunate for Lando Norris as well. He had to retire despite getting back to the pits under that red flag. Um, yeah, and it was it was crazy, but it did allow for some big gains. I think we saw, obviously, George Russell, Nicholas TV, they made huge gains um, under all of that. I think they both made up a, a good sort of 10 positions or so. Same for Carlos Sainz, same for Yuki Tsunoda. Um, yeah, really, really crazy instance. Luckily, it was it was good that everyone walked away because obviously, yeah, chance like that, even at a slow speed corner like Turn 1, it's always sort of a worry, particularly when there's so many drivers involved. And um, yeah, I made the joke on uh, Twitter that um, Nicholas TV put up a picture earlier this week of himself in a tank. And nobody knew why. I didn't I didn't get it. And a friend of mine who does sort of some PR work, he was like, oh, yeah, we got sent this. And it's really funny. Um, but that that is what it was for. He needed a tank to survive. Turb one at Hungary. Who th- would have thought it? Yeah, I mean, that opening lap really just set us up for everything else that was to unfold. From then, we knew we were going to be in for an absolutely crazy, crazy race. As you mentioned, the damage to the Red Bulls 
to the Red Bulls and to Max Verstappen to get him back out. I went into the pit lane when it was red flagged and I was actually about to, we were going to try and get an interview with Max as they were doing the work on his car, but it was just hectic. I mean, you could feel the stress and all of the emotions of those mechanics hard at work trying to get it fixed. But as you said, I mean, we were surprised that they sent him back out as well. Jess, what did you make of that? Do you think it was Red Bull just thinking, look, we need to keep a car in the game here? I mean, we know how efficient and handy those Red Bull mm. mechanics are. They have pulled some absolute worldy fixes. Actually, yes. I guess, not ironically, but maybe, uh, you know, uh, kind of interestingly, at Hungary yes. this time last year, well, not this time last year, but at Hungary last year, um, when they managed to do that incredible fix on the grid, when again, during slightly soggy um, reconnaissance lap, uh, Verstappen had his off and caused a bit of damage before the race had even begun. So, you know, I think Red Bull, if they could run a car, they were going to run a car. They can't, that's how tight the championship is. They can't afford to lose, um, any more, uh, any more points in this, in this championship if they are looking to secure that, that constructors championship as well as obviously the drivers championship. But it's the constructors, as we all know, where the money is. Um, and, they, I think, were just going to, if the car could run, they were going to run it and it was going to be a damage limitation race. And that's exactly what we what we saw. I think Max ended up saying uh, um, afterwards, after the race, that it had his car had less downforce than the Haas, which um, is is kind of a, to give you a, give you context of what uh, Max was dealing with, because we know that Haas is a bit of a dog to drive. Um, but we saw some great battles with Schumacher's Haas and Max yes. Verstappen, which again was something maybe, you know, the amount of things that we said, you know, I, I, on the, on the Sky coverage when we heard, uh, you know, I'm sure we're going to get further down the line, but we heard so many weird things coming over commentary like Crofty getting excited that Hamilton was passing Giovinazzi which you know exactly it's not exactly something that we're used to hearing any excitement around that's usually Hamilton passing a back marker but in that instance it was for position but it's a similar thing when we saw Verstappen battling Schumacher which was a great battle it was a it was a for Schumacher I thought it was a it was a brilliant race for him getting elbows out and racing against these drivers who we're labeling as, as superstars. Um, he definitely showed his mettle today, which was great to see. But yeah, Max was, they knew it wasn't going to be any, any massive points haul for them today, but one point is what they want. If that's, if that's all they can bring home, that's what they're going to try and bring home. So surprised they couldn't afford a double DNF. So they were going to try and bring home as little as they as they well you know the little that they could so yeah i think that was kind of uh, the the situation going on at red bull today before we move on to all of the other different instances that happened what do you think luke that this means going forward i mean obviously we've got the summer break now championship standings changed a little bit from before we went into the race what do you think this means now for those in the red bull camp and those in the mercedes camp how do you think each side are feeling I think Mercedes. I mean, they said after Silverstone that they would they would love to be able to leave Hungary, leading exactly. both championships, and they, they've done that. And that I think is I don't know how they've done that, but but they have. So <laughs> full credit where it's due. I think they've yeah they've done a good job of obviously they've been very fortunate, but also capitalising where it's mattered. Obviously Lewis Hamilton has put in two stunning recovery drives in the last couple of races. Um, but I think Red Bull. I think I think it's been a turbulent couple of weeks for them. 
for many, many reasons. And I think that the team now has to go away and I think it's got to sort of really reset. And this was a question put to Max Verstappen afterwards. And he said, it's not about resetting. Like, we just got to come back to the next race and approach every race the same, obviously. But I just think that, look, really, they should be absolutely walking both championships right now. And I think for Max in particular, if you remove this, Silverstone and Baku, then there's a good sort of 60 points on the table there. That's and that's a big total, and that would really put them in control of this championship. And I think that Mercedes, the fact that they've got back in the hunt, that this upgrade brought to Silverstone, has clearly made a step forward that's balanced things out a little bit more. I think that, yeah, it's going to put a bit of pressure on Red Bull. So I think the team's got to go away, and I think, A, it's got to address everything that's happened over the past couple of weeks, because I don't care what the team says. I think that they've got some serious things that they do need to sort out there on a number of levels. Um, and... Then they've also got to think about, okay, how do we win this championship? Like, we've got the fastest car. We've got Max Verstappen, who's at the absolute peak of his powers right now. We cannot throw this away. Let's say all our bad luck for the season is gone, that we've had our sort of, like, drop points that you're always, you're always going to get no matter how good you are. And now we've just got to smash this second half to really make sure we take control of this championship. And I think that, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how they deal with that. But there should always be, I guess, that confidence. They do actually have the quicker car and that I think they do have the better package all round right now. Um, so that's probably the mood on their part. I think Mercedes, look, they're, they're enjoying this sort of underdog fight. They're enjoying the idea of that they're the chasers. They're, they're the hunters, no longer the hunted. And I think that, yeah, for them to go into the summer break in in front in both championships they'll probably be thinking well how the hell have we pulled that off and i have the same question but full credit to them for doing so and uh yeah you got to roll with the punches sometimes you will get very very fortunate um i think the past couple of weekends yeah it that has been an example of that um but yeah that's the name of the game sometimes yeah, I think that I, I was the same actually when Mercedes said that they wanted to go into the summer break leading both championships. I was a bit like, okay, ambitious, but okay, respect respect the ambition the ambition there. Wondered how it would happen. Did not think it would happen the way it did today. But yeah, we never know how things are going to unfold. Let's stay on Mercedes for a little longer and let's move to that Lewis Hamilton restart, which was just. <laughs> Bizarre to witness. I mean, what on earth? It just really caught me off guard to see just one car lined up there. Jess, what was going through your head as you saw Lewis taking that front position with no one else around him? It's it's one of those it's one of those scenarios, and I'm sure Luke's going to jump in here with because uh, he's been speaking to Toto yes. Wolf and everybody after after the after the race, um, which I didn't. But um, from from where we were sitting, it's kind of one of those scenarios where actually being the lead car is a bit of a handicap yeah. because you know people ahead of you can make calls based on what you do and not the other way around. So you've either got to absolutely nail your call or you're going to be the sitting duck essentially. Um I was quite shocked given the state of the of the track that he wouldn't make the call to go to slicks. But as um as the as Toto Wolf said and as Mercedes have said, they believe that if they had done because of the position of their pit box they would have come out behind everybody anyway. So they didn't want to give up track position. They wanted to come out um, with as, as much of a, of, a, of a lead as they could and then hope to make a change. But uh, 
that wasn't to be because everybody else behind them was like, no, this track is dry enough for slicks now. We're coming in. Um, so, and I'm sure, yeah, Luke can probably give a, a bit of a, a more, um, a, a fuller picture on the Mercedes call. Um, but yeah, that in terms of what I was watching, it was quite unusual, quite bizarre, but there supposedly was method behind the madness. Hey, Luke. Yeah, there was. Um, and yeah, as you say, Tosa Wolf, he explained it after the race and he said that at the time it was 100% the right call and he stood by that call because, as you say, because of the train of cars that would have been coming through the pit lane, obviously Mercedes would have had to sit there and wait for them to pass before then sending Lewis into the fast lane again. He estimated that Lewis would have come back out in about sixth place. So obviously giving up that track position and advantage. And there is the argument of, well, sixth is better than 14th, which is where Lewis ended up. But they also didn't expect the track to dry out as quickly as it did, but it, it just went bone dry pretty much all of a sudden. So, so yeah, that was the Mercedes side of it. And it was, it was a very bizarre thing to watch, but it could actually have been even more bizarre because if Lewis had also come into the pits and therefore we would have had all 15 cars still in the race in the pit lane, making the change to slicks, what would have happened is that the, um, uh, we'd have had the man go across with the, the green flag waving as he does at the back of the grid. <laughs> with no cars in front of him, we would have then watched all five lights. One, two, three, four, five, go out with no cars underneath them. And then all eyes would have been on the pit lane and the light would have gone from red to green and that would have been the official sort of race resumption. Um, And that would have been absolutely hilarious. That was something that Michael Massey explained after the race. And uh, yeah, I think that would have been really funny, really funny. Maybe not so for the the people um, organising all of this, but we'd have enjoyed it at least. (laughs) I mean, it was still bizarre just seeing one car there. You know, every time you think you've seen it all in Formula One, it gifts you with these strange scenarios. So, you know, 71 years going strong and still we have surprise surprise uh, occurrences going on, um, for sure. And let's talk about what happened after that, because as we've said, Lewis dropped to the back because he then had to pit the lap later. And then he had to put in this mighty drive to get his way back up the pack and we all know that this track is not a track that typically you can overtake on but overtake he did what did you both make of his performance throughout the race to then fight his way back to the front i thought it was uh yeah brilliant absolutely brilliant once again from lewis and ultimately yeah we can always say that oh it's the fastest car or whatever but we're not in the days of the early hybrid era where the Mercedes was like exponentially quicker than the rest of the field. Like if you're in dirty air, as we saw him sort of struggling very early on and behind um, Giovinazzi, it's um, yeah, it's not easy at all. So I think the real sort of mastery came when he made those uh, pit stops. Obviously he gained a lot of places when he uh, made that switch to hards initially and uh, got the undercut on a lot of cars that were ahead of him. And um, yeah, and I think then they got into a position where they looked at and go, well, hang on, we can get another stop in here get on the mediums and then find time and uh when he was going three seconds a lap faster 3.7 sorry was the absolute peak of it um faster than Ocon and Vettel at the front I think we kind of thought okay well Lewis is going to be in here um and that was until he came across Fernando Alonso who oh, put yes. in uh, uh, as I'm sure we're going to get into just a majestic drive and 
at one point sort of stuck a little bit of ire from Hamilton on the radio, but I don't think it was anything too bad. And uh, yeah, just showed us that he is absolutely back to the peak of his powers. And it was so good to see. And without that, Lewis, yeah, would have won this race. He, he would have, because he was so, so much quicker. The strategy worked so well. He was absolutely flying out there. We know how good he is around Hungary. And the fact that he only, I mean, even... Once he cleared science, I think he had three laps to go and he was something like eight seconds down the leaders. And he crossed the line 2.8 seconds behind Ocon. So he was still finding huge chunks of time, even towards the end of the race, when those tyres were probably past their best. Um, yeah, and it, that would have been just a, a remarkable fight back. And I think he can be very pleased with third, could be second. And uh, yeah, moving to lead the championship. It's a really hard-earned race. And we saw, obviously, on the podium after the race, how exhausted he was. And even during the race, I thought, like, there were a lot of times when he was sort of saying, like, oh, is it lap 43? And they were like, no, it's lap 29. And then he was like, oh, so I'm fourth. And they were like, no, no, you're fifth. And just a few things. And he sort of said after the race, like, sort of on a health side of things, like, he's really been focusing on that. But perhaps it's sort of a bit of long COVID or something. And, uh, yeah, thankfully he got checked out by the team doctor and, and um, is okay and was able to go back to the FIA press conference. But, um, yeah, I think all things considered, he was just a, a real Herculean fight back, I think. Indeed it was. And let's talk about the battle with Fernando Alonso because what an absolute treat to watch. I mean, on the edge of my seat, loving every single second of it. Jess, how special was was it to see that? I mean, it was vintage Alonso, wasn't it? It was like, it was just... It almost made me... Because I was one of those people that said... I don't know how I feel about Fernando Alonso returning to F1, you know, like, what is it going to really bring us? Or, you know, they've got this young driver academy and what's the point if they can never promote a driver into a seat? Like, what is the point in even having an academy? So I was a bit of a naysayer. um, But today I was like, well, I'll eat my words because, you know, he, the guy has still got it. And not that I ever doubted that he was an incredible racing driver. He clearly is. He's gone on and done so many amazing things since he's left Formula One. You know, he's done Dakar rallies. He's won Le Mans. He's chasing down the triple crown. Like he's, he's, he's not exactly slowed since leaving Formula One on a hiatus, not a retirement, as I'm sure he would love everybody uh, to remember. Uh, cause obviously he's come back, but, um, just, just, it was just so, enjoyable to watch it was it was just brilliant and I think it it just shows you again I think especially after our previous time out at Silverstone clean hard racing and that is what we want to see like we want to see clean hard racing and he just made it I loved even like watching his you say body language, I guess it's not really the right thing to say when you're talking about uh, a car, but you could tell like he was making that Alpine as wide and as strong as he physically could. And this is Lewis Hamilton we're talking about. You know, this is this is one of the greatest drivers we've ever seen against another one of the greatest drivers we've ever seen. And just absolutely, basically going, absolutely not. You're not coming past me. This isn't happening. Find another way around. And it was only when Alonso made a mistake that Hamilton could get by. Um, so it was just, you know, and, and as Luke said, that that essentially saved the race for Ocon. So in terms of being a team player, which again, Alonso has been criticised in the past of of not being a team player, it showed today that that's what he did He did do. And, and it was really touching again to see in Parc Ferme, 
when Ocon celebrating, like, you know, Fernando helped, like, stay back and wanted to congratulate and celebrate with the team, as you, as you should, and as we obviously see with a lot of other drivers up and down the grid. But again, I just thought it was a, it was a really nice moment. Um, and I'm sure Alonso would have been gunning for more than P5, but for Alpine, that, that a P1 and P5 is huge. Um, and it's it, it's going to be the difference between who finishes P5 to P7 on the in the constructors. Um, and so I think, yeah, just super enjoyable to see, super technical driving, super exciting, hard racing, and and that we want we want more of that. So yeah, I saw a lot of people calling for equal machinery so that we can see more of that. I mean, I'm not let's not get into spec cars in Formula One, but. Um, what a treat. An absolute treat. And yeah, more of that definitely because, oh, it just really, just really got you going. It was absolutely incredible. Just, I really just loved every second of it, to be honest. And as you mentioned there, that moment when Fernando Alonso did go to congratulate Esteban Ocon was a really touching moment. I was in the garage right where the podium is um, where they come out and they get the drinks and everything. And he was just eagerly waiting to congratulate him. And it was so lovely. And you could feel the excitement and the happiness and the warmth from everyone there, regardless of the team as well, because everyone was so genuinely happy for Esteban Ocon. Um, and I think we should move on to our race winner now. I mean, a bit strange that we're only just getting some halfway through the, through the podcast, but that is the nature of today's race. So Esteban Ocon, Luke. He did everything he needed to do today, really, to hold on to to hold on to that position. As we've said, Fernando Alonso definitely helping him out by keeping Lewis back for those extra laps. But what a result for him! Obviously, we are we are neutrals, and we, despite <laughs> despite accusations that may be thrown at us on Twitter, we are not biased in any way or anything like that. Um, but there are results that you celebrate and you enjoy. And I remember like, I remember being in the media centre when Daniel Ricciardo scored his first win and what the re- response was. And I sort of my, remember my personal reactions, particularly when sort of as I was more working in F1 and getting to know these guys. Um, yeah, Gasly getting that podium in Brazil, Gasly winning his first race last year. And I must say, yeah, today was a day when I saw him Crossed the finish line, I was punching the air because I was so pleased for Esteban because it's been such a long road for him. He's come such a long way. He's fought a lot of adversity throughout his life. And I think that the idea of sort of the billionaire boys club in Formula One and all of that, Esteban is the absolute polar opposite of that. And he's come from such a long way to now be a Formula One Grand Prix winner. So yeah, I'm just so delighted for him. And I thought his performance today was absolutely fantastic. I think we saw in uh, Sakir last year when he scored his first podium that if you put him in that situation, obviously a lot of pressure on there, he can deliver and he absolutely will get that result. And uh, yeah, we saw that again in, in full flow today. I thought it was just brilliant that he was in the right place at the right time. He took advantage. But his pace throughout was really good. He managed everything very, very well as well. Um, my uh, my housemate, so she's not a, an F1 fan, but her parents are. And she um, was watching the highlights with the, uh, her parents. And apparently her mum said, oh, you don't want Vettel up your chuff, do you? And it's very true. I think if there's anyone you don't want chasing you on the track, it is Sebastian Vettel because he's uh, he's a four-time world champion and he's he's back to his best, I think, this year. And there were times when we had the, the Hamilton-Alonso fight that was so good, it was sort of like five or six tenths. 
But I was looking at the gap between Ocon and Vettel, and that was like five or six tenths as well, but it wasn't really getting shown. Um, but yeah, in the end, I think Esteban, he did everything he had to do, kept his cool. He has now led more laps than any driver this year, apart from uh, Max Verstappen or Lewis Hamilton, which I think is a, a pretty impressive stat. Team Enstone's first winner uh, since 2008. And uh, I think that after so much crap that's been put his way since his dip in form obviously he got the new contract and then had a, a poor run of races and people are like, oh he's gone on holiday or like he's and even this morning like people were sort of saying to me like oh he's like he's he's done well here hasn't he? he's got the contracts and then sort of we've seen maybe a truer representation of what his form is and I, i've always been like no like he is quality like this guy beat max verstappen in f3 don't forget that and uh, i think today we just saw that he's got everything he needs and it's just such a good story and I'm so pleased for him because, uh, yeah, he's a good lad and he's worked hard for it. So well done, Esteban. Yeah, I think it's one of those scenarios where he was he was definitely in the right place at the right time. Um, it was one of those things where he took absolute advantage of the chaos going on in front of him and slipped into a gap. And I'm pretty sure uh, he did not anticipate being P2 after turn one um that's not that would never have kind of crossed his crossed his mind but as we said i mean the race was the race was pretty much kind of after the restart craziness with latifi being in p3 that basically nullified the race for everyone behind latifi um so it was a it was a pretty much a dogfight between vettel and a knock-on for the rest of the the rest of the, the grand prix even if in the closing stages it did get a little bit tighter um but it was again it, it made it brilliant like that i thought ocon really held his own today he didn't put a foot wrong he absolutely did everything that he possibly could arguably was extremely lucky with the fact that vettel had a slow pit stop because vettel had an absolutely insane um outlap after the, his pit stop and had he not had that slow stop i think he lost around six tenths he might have come out ahead of, of Ocon um, in the end. so Or he might have got Ocon in the end. So there were things, as with every F1 race, certain things go a certain driver's way and certain things go against them. But in terms of what he had to do to get that victory today, I mean, it was, it was, it was, just, it was just brilliant to see. Because Luke says, like, a lot of criticism has been thrown Ocon's way. Um, especially this season, kind of up until Silverstone, he was having a torrid time, um, really not anywhere, not, you know, kind of fading into obscurity almost in terms of recent run of form. But since this chassis change, it seems to have, which happened at Silverstone, it seems to have come back to Ocon. And I mean, you can't really do much better than a race win off the back of a of a major update. So, you know, whether or not he's going to manage anything like this again, probably remains to be seen. Um, but, you, you know, I think, again, it was it was a mixture of things going right for him, being in the right place at turn one, having Latifi slow everybody down Vettel getting a slow pit stop but you know we can't take away from the fact that he still did hold Vettel behind him and didn't allow any mistakes to upset his his race to victory so all all props due to to Ocon a fantastic result fantastic race um and something that I'm sure as a as Luke said Team Enstone um really needed uh, in order to buoy their 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 kind of future prospects in in Formula One and going into the new era. 
Before we continue unpacking all of the action for today, we have to say a massive thanks to today's Autosport podcast sponsor for helping to bring you the show. Formula One and money go hand in hand, whether you're a team boss with plenty of it or an aspiring young rookie with not enough of it. And our friends at Free Trade want to remind you about the importance of growing wealth over the long term. If you're new to investing yourself, don't be put off by thinking it's complicated. You can start easily with Free Trade. They are on a mission to break down the barriers and open up stock investing to people like you and I. There's no commission to trade, so you can keep more of what you make. And you can join the 700,000 other investors using their award-winning app. It's super easy to use. They're UK regulated. They cover stocks, ETFs, and investment trusts. And you just need £2 to jump on the app. So head over to freetrade.io forward slash autosport and get a randomly allocated free share worth between £3 and £200, such as Greg's, Rightmove, or Apple when you register, and fund your account. Remember, when you invest, your capital is at risk. Other charges may apply. And remember to use our URL so that they know that you've heard it here. That's freetrade.io forward slash autosport for more details. Let's talk about Vettel though, because as I said at the top of the podcast, he is under investigation. I don't believe we've heard any outcome of that. Luke, can you just talk us through a bit more detail why he's under investigation and what the situation is with that? Sure. So at the end of every race and at any point through the event when cars are scrutinised by the FIA or go through scrutineering, they are always required to provide a one litre fuel sample. And that's been standard for many, many years now. And um, Vettel, he... And I think it was quite an odd situation after the race that it was only Lewis Hamilton who actually parked his car in Park Ferme, that the other two cars weren't there. Now Vettel, he got around to turn 12 and his car kind of juddered a little bit and then Aston told him, park it up and stop it. So we did that. And then obviously we saw him, I think, getting a, a, a sort of walking back to the pits or, or getting a lift or whatever. And um, that would have raised some sort of questions, I think, at the time. But I think we were just so busy with, oh, Ocon's won a race, like what a, a crazy event. And uh, yeah, then it emerged that from uh, the FIA's post-race checks that they needed a litre of fuel from Vettel's car and they could only get 0.3 litres. So it's quite a way off. Um, Now, that, to me, I think will be a slam dunk disqualification. But we do not know that because obviously it's something that Aston Martin are going to absolutely fight as much as they can. Um, Colleague was saying that in the past you could have sort of like taken apart the car and tried to wring every single last bit of fuel you could out of it to get to that one litre but you can't do that now so it's basically about sort of checking like can they get anything else out of the tank to uh, get over that line but 0.3 litres to one litre that's a a lot of fuel they need to find so I don't think it's looking good for Vettel but of course if anything does happen during this podcast I will I will wave my hands if anyone else is talking <laughs> and interrupt um because it's uh yeah it would be a huge story and I think it'd be a great shame for Vettel because he drove such a good race and obviously Aston Martin particularly in that fight for P5 when Alpine have had such a high scoring day it's um yeah I think it's gonna it would be a big blow but let's not take anything away from Vettel's performance I thought it was very good I think for a driver who's faced criticism about his sort of wheel-to-wheel racing and ability to cope under pressure I think today was some pretty hectic conditions low grip very very easy to make mistakes and he he didn't falter at all and we heard over the radio after the race just how frustrated he was that he didn't catch Ocon because he felt he was quicker Um, and I think yeah probably was but it's hungry, it's always tricky. And unless you've got enough of a delta, I think you're always going to struggle. So uh, 
Yeah, a very good drive, though. I think he can be very pleased with what he did. I think we're seeing more signs of old Vettel, which is really, really cool. And um, yeah, and also I think we've got to touch on just his work over the weekend, I think, with his um, statements about the um, LGBT uh, Q plus community in Hungary and his support for them, even going to the extent of wearing a T-shirt on the grid that ended up landing him a reprimand. I think he's just been a fantastic vocal role model for Formula One. I think him and Lewis have done a great job this weekend on that. So yeah, I think all power to Seb for all he's done this weekend. Absolutely echo those thoughts. It was brilliant to see him representing the community and standing firm in it as well, as you said, once he got the reprimand as well, saying he'd, he'd do it all again. Um, that's exactly the type of role model that we like to see within the sport, using his position for a good cause. While we're on the topic of reprimands and stewards and everything else, there were a lot of drivers who were called to the stewards, who were investigated, who were reprimanded, who were given penalties, etc. Jess, can you talk to us about what happened to Bottas and Stroll? I know that we touched on them at the start, but seeing as we're getting into the penalty reprimanding part of the podcast let's just quickly give our listeners a rundown of which drivers have had been dealt what sure so in the case of Bottas and Stroll they were both found to have caused a collision which I think we could all see was the case so both have been awarded a five place grid penalty for next time out because obviously they were both taken out of the race and therefore a time penalty would make no odds to them so they've been given a five place grip penalty which is you know a bit of a shame I saw a lot of people on Twitter saying well you know was strolls really deserved and obviously the usual calls for saying well a Mercedes took a Red Bull out so the Mercedes should get a higher reprimand I even saw a comment not to kind of you know pick on people on Twitter but I think this just goes to show that there needs to be more communication about how penalties are distributed or are given out by the stewards and what what penalties can be given or whatever but I actually saw someone suggest that Mercedes should pay for all of the repairs to all of the cars that were damaged by Bottas's incident which is an interesting proposal not how Formula One works, my guys. Um, so, and I thought that was quite interesting. But yeah, there was, I mean, there was calls in terms of, you know, was, because again, if we're going to look into the incidents, which, you know, is everybody's favourite thing to do, you know, they were turn one, <laughs> turn one, in, lap one, turn one incidents, which were meant to give leniency to, but obviously quite a major, um, quite a major coming together that we saw. Um people were saying well did Stroll deserve such a harsh penalty because he was trying to avoid uh, causing a collision at the first place but as we've already touched on it was a pretty silly place to stick your car but to be honest he was probably damned if he did and damned if he didn't he he'd gone in too hot very much similar to Bottas he wasn't gonna end up in a very good position no matter where he stuck that car um but it was it was pretty it was pretty uh catastrophic what ended up in, in the end so they've got five place grid penalties uh which will be taken at Spa which will not be good for either driver obviously but that is the whole point of penalties so there we go there we have it. And as Luke mentioned, Vettel was also reprimanded for the T-shirt that he wore during the national anthem. It's a, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because it's mm-hmm. ultimately, I think the FIA are sticking completely to procedure, but there's times when you just got to be like, oh, come on, guys. But so basically it was 
earlier this year, drivers were wearing T-shirts during the national anthem. And it was written into the uh, pre-race procedure notes from Michael Massey that basically outline, it's a a three-minute period, it basically outlines where the drivers have to stand, what they have to do with the national anthem, with We Race as One and all of that. And at the beginning of the year, it said that drivers should uh, take off their T-shirts and then do uh, be ready for the national anthem in their race suits, basically. And... As of Monaco, that was updated. So that same instruction, the wording was the same, but it was underlined and put in bold to really sort of push home the point. And um, that is what has now led to this being penalised as it has been. So that was what led to the um, this being penalised as it was. And basically, it meant that Vettel, Sainz, Stroll and Bottas all wore t-shirts during the uh during the national anthem obviously in the case of Stroll Bottas and Science it was the uh, We Racers one t-shirt interestingly the FIA's bulletin about the penalties worded them all exactly the same they said that Vettel had forgot to take off his We Racers one t-shirt because of the rain he wasn't wearing a Re- We Racers one t-shirt so anyway um yeah Michael Massey explained after the race said that basically there've been some discussions um earlier this year about sort of like during the national anthem would it be better if no one wore a t-shirt whatever um yeah it's still it just seems a little bit silly from the fia i think i think they've got i know it's procedure but i think that's something you can deal with by just sort of pulling the drivers to one side and just saying lads look we've spoken about this could you please just do it like this instead of us getting this notification through as we would i, I mean honestly the system works so we will get pretty much the same notification for vettel's possible slash likely uh, disqualification as we will that and it's just like yeah i just think some common sense got to kick in but yeah that that so that explains that basically it is the fia sticking to procedure absolutely to a t which is not always a good thing is it because of where we're racing is it because of the political heat because i know that um i think it was the minister for justice for hungary commented on lewis hamilton's comments you know she felt she felt as is her right it's it's, you know they're representing their country and 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 we are visiting them and bringing our you know our thoughts and feelings into their country um they're going to state their position especially when it's so politically charged they she was very critical of lewis saying you know you don't understand about this policy you're just coming in with your own thoughts without having done the research and therefore you know stick to racing cars have a good race weekend but pretty much leave it there and obviously we, we this is the the point of formula one is that we do we are still racing in locations where this whole we races one narrative is in conflict with where we are racing and i know it's a massive massive criticism that a lot of fans have and a lot of other people have in terms of how do we then position it but but for me, it, it does seem a little bit like, are they doing it because they are under pressure politically from the venues in which they are racing in? Because Luke and I did a bit of digging on photo archives and there's been no, I know Luke, as Luke has very well explained and as Michael Massey's explained, they they bolded and underlined race notes that were already there at previous races where drivers have worn we race as one t-shirts during the national anthem and there has been no reprimand no side well not that we know of but no taking off to the side and said guys just 
you know, just racing overalls. We obviously had the whole um, the whole uh, uh, incident of of Lewis going up onto the podium and wearing a t-shirt where there are very clear rules about that and they did want to very much stick with that in terms of the the podium celebrations national anthem i guess is a similar vein because you're meant to be showing respect or paying respect to the venue so again it's quite a like uh, a a sensitive part of the of the celebrations that we have in formula 1 but it does seem a bit weird to me that there's all of a sudden been a call to reprimand drivers for wearing t-shirts where there hasn't been that, even it, even though it has been in the race notes. It's just been bolded and underlined since we've moved to different venues. So I'd be interested to know kind of the reasons behind that, whether or not we ever get reasons behind that, whether or not we're just looking into it because it is a politically charged weekend. Don't know. But um, I am. I would be quite interested to know why that why that was. That is very interesting. There, some good digging from you and Luke to spot that. I don't know whether we will ever get any more information on it, but I'm sure that you guys will will be the first to spot it if we do. Let's move away from some of the more contentious issues, shall we say, and let's move to one of the other really feel-good stories of today, and that is the Williams. Double points for the Williams. We saw the emotion of George in the media pen afterwards. I mean, there's no way that the team were expecting that coming into today, but just how special was that, Luke? Oh, it's monumental, honestly. And I know George Russell has scored points before, but obviously doing it in a Mercedes compared to doing it in a Williams is very, very different. And I think it just speaks to the the long journey he's been on with Williams. I mean, he joined it in 2019 when it was in the absolute bottom of its boots. It was in its worst ever position. It was miles off the pace. And basically he spent every single weekend racing and normally beating Robert Kubica. It's not very fun as a racing driver to be up against one other guy like you want to be fighting and he's helped haul that team forward bit by bit and work their way up the field and to this year get in a position where they can score points as we've seen at previous races this year but it was always that the bad luck would always hit them just when it mattered or that if they drove a perfect race it'd be all 20 cars finished as in France but today it was just I think the perfect combination of the they had the right pace in the car at the right time. And um, yeah, everything kicked off at the start and they took full advantage. We saw next to the TV running in third place for such a long time, which was incredible. Um, George was, I mean, second on track at one point, but it turned out that he jumped a few cars by being in the slow lane and the pit lane and sneaking through. But Williams, before even being told by the FIA, they quickly were like, no, no, give up the places because we don't want to get in any trouble. And um, and then we heard George on the radio as well saying, like, if prioritise Nikki, like, don't don't think about not compromising my race. Like, if you've got to do something with me to get Nikki Latifi um, further up the order, then you absolutely do it. And I just, it just spoke to everything that's just been so wonderful in George Russell's story with Williams. And obviously that may well come to an end at the end of this year if he were to get a move up to Mercedes. Um, and I think that, yeah, it's just... It's just great to see. And um, I think the emotion we saw from him in the TV pen, I think that's absolutely justified. And it shows that don't think that this is a guy who's like, oh, I'm going to Mercedes in the future. Like, I'm just sort of waiting here and I've got to do my time and then I'll get the chance to be with like a proper team and I can really fight. He has put his heart and soul into Williams and helped make the team now, I think, what it is going to become and where it is going. And I think that whatever happens, if we see Williams sort of back up there in the future... 
a lot of that will be down to the contribution of George Russell. So, yeah, a really, really wonderful display from him. And also, Nicholas Satifi, he's not a guy we talk about very much and not a guy we cover much on Autosport. And I think we had a joke yesterday about when was the last time we wrote a Latifi article? And it is a very long time ago. But again, he drove an absolutely perfect race today. No errors. I think fully maximised what he could do with that car and just deserves the utmost credit. So, uh, yeah, a real feel-good story. And I think, yeah, it's just great to see for Williams. And they're now eighth in the Constructors' Championship, which may not sound like very much, but for the money side of it, it is absolutely huge. And also, I think the the pride and bragging rights that will come with that, yeah, we're on the way back up now, lads. Yeah, I was about to say the pride that comes with that alone has got to be absolutely monumental. The team have been working away for so many years, as you've just said, and today was just lovely to see it really was Jess how did you feel about that double points finish for Williams let's be honest George Russell is there to race in Mercedes that's all he's that's all he's worried about but I guess you know in order to get there he has to prove certain things and I'm sure Toto has said you know you need to prove yourself at Williams first cut your teeth at Williams first then you'll get your Mercedes seat but he has been in the past quite you know clearly impatient to get there um, and I think, but I do think he would have felt like his story of Williams would have been incomplete without bringing home points for the team. And that's why I think he was probably so emotional because now I feel like he can leave the team knowing that he's done his absolute best. And actually, I do think it's the irony of ironies that the, the race that he wins or gets points of wins. I mean, that's kind of what it feels like, doesn't it? You know, that was the complete <laughs> wrong terminology, but it does feel like winning for Williams today. Um, but for him to get points for, for, for Williams, considering he had his worst qualifying of the season so far is is just massively i mean that's a george russell narrative if ever i'd heard one because we're so used to him going <gasps> getting into you know when he got into q3 we were all like well this is it you know this is this is this is everything you know we, we he's gonna get points so every time he's been so close but either bad luck or a mistake on his behalf or a bad start or something something hasn't quite clicked and he has finally brought points home in one of the most dramatic races of the season so far and now going into the summer break where we are expecting a judgment call on his future to be announced either in the summer break or at the next race um, after the summer break. This this could not have been more perfect for George Russell. And, and, and in terms of his teammate, I completely agree with Luke. I do feel like Latifi doesn't get the credit that he potentially deserves because of one, again, the whole nature of having a teammate where the sun is shining very much on him um, and not on Latifi. But there have been there have been signs this season of, of really strong performances that have completely gone under the radar because of the team that he drives for and because of the results that they get. Um, so I was really like, I was gunning for Latifi today, really gunning for him. And, you know, coming out in P3... I mean, who would have, I had to say, so when we do our uh, Instagram live after each uh, each day of the race weekend, there's a guy that comes on uh, called Robbie McIntyre, who always predicts like, like craziest predictions. He's always like, oh, it's going to be Mazepin and Latifi and somebody else up the front. And every time we go, oh, here's Robbie McIntyre with his predictions again. He was almost spot on, can I just say. 
At one point during this race, he was almost spot on because I think he said Ocon, Vettel and Latifi. And at one point, it was Ocon, Vettel and Latifi. And I was like, well, (laughs) what parallel universe am I living in where this guy's, you know, trolling predictions are actually true? But I guess, you know, again, like that's the wonderful nature of Formula One in terms of there are these occasions where it throws a level of unpredictability in and, and we have amazing results like we saw today. But yeah, I think to summarize... Brilliant result for Williams. I've heard whispers that they have had a fuel problem too, but we've not had that officially confirmed. Oh, no, no, they're not. Luke, no, Luke is jumping no, in. No, we're fine. We're so, um, so the only other FIA document we've had uh, recently, let me get it up, uh, is race scrutineering. So it's a very long document. It basically says that, oh, we checked the front wing stability of this car and this of that car. And it's very, very long. Um, but at the very end, it says, apart from the one litre fuel sample for car number five, that's Vettel, all car weights and the items checks were found to be in conformity with the 2021 FIA Formula One technical regulations. So that would indicate that despite whispers that Williams could be in trouble, they are not. So we will wait for an official classification, but it's just Vessel that we are still waiting and waiting and waiting. And I guess on. with with him being disqualified, it would bump the Williams guys up higher up the that grid. That would double so, George Russell's Hall, yeah. So they go from scoring moly. six points to 10 points, which would be pretty wow. mega. Yeah. And again, if we're looking at the constructors, that's yeah. that's going to be and that, huge. Yeah, I mean, that would put them, what, eight points clear of Alpha. And um, I spoke to uh, Chevy Pujola, who's the Alpha... I can't remember his exact role, to be honest. He's a, a top technical board at Alpha Romeo, anyway. <laughs> He's and, a top um, dog, anyway. Sorry, Chevy. Yes, important <laughs> person. And um, and he, he said, like, he was like... He said, like, how how can you guys fight back now? And he said, well, we've still... He's confident they've still got the quicker car. He said, we can't obviously overhaul that in one go, but if we can sort of chip away at it, hopefully we can we can get there. Not entirely sure I do agree with the quicker car thing. Um, but yeah, I think it would just make the make the uh, challenge facing Alpha now to recover um, eighth place even more difficult. So yeah, well done, Williams. Well done, Williams, indeed. As we said, we are neutrals, but what a feel-good story. I mean... We all love a bit of a feel-good story and the emotions. As Jess was just speaking, I was just smiling and grinning because I was thinking, I can literally feel the emotion and excitement through your voice and through your face. And that is what it's all about. That is the beauty of the sport that we love so much. And I just really do love it. I do indeed. Let's continue moving through the pack because we are running out of time. And I do want to give some time to the other teams as well. So let's have a quick chat about the Alpha Tauris because Pierre Gasly P6, Yuki Snowder P7 and Pierre Gasly taking that fastest lap point as well. What did you make of the Alpha Tauris today? That's where they're going to be now. Like they've got mm-hmm. to be sort of like fighting in that sort of mid midfield points and Gasly's the man leading them as we know. Obviously Snowder benefited greatly um from the start. Um, and yeah, we had a, a point where Snowder was ahead of Gasly on track and they swapped them over. And then we heard Yuki uh, getting a bit fiery on the radio as he does tend to every now and then say, well, what's the point? Like, I'm just in dirty air now. Yuki then spun. So that kind of defeated the whole objects of um, of his complaint. And uh, that then opened up a 20 second gap to Gasly that meant he could yeah take that free pit stop at the end and get that fastest lap bonus point. So I think that, yeah, on the face of it, if you said to AlphaTauri, you're going to be sixth and seventh, they'd have absolutely taken that. But the only caveat is that one of your direct rivals for P5 in the championship, Alpine, have, have gone and won the race and got mm-hmm. another car in uh, in fifth, probably going to be fourth. So it's, uh, yeah, it's 
a good day for AlphaTauri sort of in isolation, but on the big picture, it's actually not been such a good day. Yeah, definitely more that they would have liked to have brought home today, given how their competitors ended up shaping up. Let's now talk about Carlos Sainz briefly, because of course he finished P4, but with the issue with Vettel, we're expecting that he may actually get bumped up to P3, which would be a lovely result for him. But of course, Jess, as you said earlier in your missing out on the podium celebrations again. <laughs> I mean, classic Carlos Sainz just don't get to uh, don't get any of those podium celebrations um, like like you ought to. But I mean, I mean, I, I do feel it's quite different when it's a technical regulation that you've that you've broken. Then I, I don't really if it's a, if it's if it's a case of you know we're looking at disqualification for a technical regulation breach. There you go. That's what I was looking for. Then I'm you know I, I feel a little bit better than when it's kind of like a racing incident. The stewards are taking their time to kind of decide: Are we going to award a time penalty that will essentially strip you of your podium or whatever? That I'm like get in the bin. Technical infringement. Okay, this is a bit more serious because this is to do with you know the the, the machinery that they are racing, which is the entire point of this this entire championship. So, yes, it would be it'd be gutting for Vettel to lose his P two. It would be slightly gutting for Science to take that podium and not be able to celebrate. But at the end of the day, when the fight is as close as it is again in the constructors between Ferrari and McLaren, and McLaren have had an awful day they're going to take everything they absolutely could and Carlos Sainz was 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 obviously extremely gutted to miss out on a podium um it was you know the dying moments that he lost it having fought so well and I guess you know it was partly his call to not pit when the team wanted him to pit that meant that he maintained track position and was able to kind of take take it as far as he did so you don't want a driver that's going to com- completely or constantly refute team strategy calls because the point is, you know, it is a team effort that you have to rely on our strategists to give you the best plan of action for the best result at the end of the race. And sometimes they do have more information than the driver, but the dri- it is important for them to then also take what the driver's saying going, guys, I've still got, I've got life left in these tires. I can keep going. My pace is good. And especially on a track where track position is so important, as we saw today, um, it was a, it was a strong call from him. And I think, you know, considering it's his first season at Ferrari, that is that is what you want to see from a from a racing driver, and I don't think he did it in a way that was particularly you know like harmful for for the team because as we saw, he brought home P four could potentially have P three. So yeah, another really really strong race for Carlos Sainz. Um, he's one of those really good opportunists as well. Ferrari have two amazingly good opportunist drivers, which, you know, should be up there fighting for, you know, arguably based on their caliber, should be up there fighting for more than, you know, scrambling for a podium position. But really wily, very, uh, very on it drivers, which is great to see. And obviously, unfortunately, that the clerk got taken out on the first first corner because it would have been interesting to see how uh, the race would have panned out with both Ferrari drivers in the mix. But given the circumstances, I think Carlos Sainz did absolutely everything again that he possibly could have in that race. Um, and an amazing, amazing job by him. Yeah, and a brilliant recovery after, of course, the crash in qualifying. So hats off to him for managing to round off the weekend with such a solid result. We are at time. 
Luke, I'm going to come to you. I'm not going to request a full rundown because I don't know if you've come prepared. If you, if you oh, have, run down, fine, run down but... off the cuff. Run down off the cuff is brilliant. But Let's do just do it. Yes, off the cuff. Let's do it. Luke, give us what you've got. Just even shout if, even out if where you want them. <laughs> even if it's one word, like one word reviews. We, we've covered. We've covered basically everyone, haven't we? Um, we have, apart from the alphas, the, which had they had a torrid time. Yeah. Okay. Um, Okay, so Verstappen P10, obviously we saw what happened at, at Turn 1, had bodywork damage that meant that he couldn't really do a lot. So he did pretty well in the end actually to recover that point four tenth. Obviously could be very important come the end of the season. Uh, managed to pass Daniel Ricciardo, who in the end finished 12th for McLaren and he had heavy bodywork issue um, damage as well uh, from that uh, first corner collision that involved Leclerc and Stroll. So he was a, a bit of a, a bit of a victim in that. And uh, yeah, difficult day for McLaren leaving with no points after Lando Norris retired as well. So that's allowed Ferrari to close up to three points uh, in the Constructors' Championship. Uh, you mentioned the Alphas there, Jess. Yeah, uh, Kimi Raikkonen 11th and Antonio Giovinazzi 14th. So they both copped uh, time penalties. Giovinazzi, he got a 10 second stop go penalty for speeding in the pit lane. And apparently that was on en- on entry to the pit lane i don't know much about speeding penalties but that seems quite severe so i don't know how fast he was going to be honest but yeah that really sort of um yeah ruined a lot of his race with Kimi Raikkonen obviously here he had the run in with Nikita Mazepin in the pit lane and it turns out that uh, Alfa Romeo they had a, an issue with the traffic light system so basically it was a green light for Kimi when it shouldn't have been a green light so he came out and that meant that he just went into the path of Mazepin obviously forced Mazepin to retire Kimi's car was pretty much okay they had a little check at the pit stop but it was fine uh, Mick Schumacher 13th I thought he drove a, a really good race I think we've touched on earlier I think that yeah again that Haas it's uh, it's never going to be sort of a, a point scorer probably even on days like today like it's going to take something quite dramatic for it to get up into the points but he did pretty well uh, a bit of a sort of feisty moment I thought when he was defending from Max Verstappen as Max was sort of fighting his way through and uh, that was briefly looked at by the stewards just uh, the incident was noted not investigated and then they decided that it's not worth investigating in the end because Max got past a little brush I think as they went on the exit of turn four but then uh, GP Max's engineer came over the engineer over the radio sorry and said uh, yeah pretty good with half a car and that is all the classified finishers which is uh, quite telling for what a crazy race it has been look at that Luke coming through with the goods putting him on the spot there thank you so much Luke we appreciate it Jess, Luke, thank you both for joining me after that manic race, helping us run down through it all. Thank you so much for joining us for another podcast. Of course, we go off on the summer break now, but we will still be bringing you episodes throughout the break, including a race review coming your way very soon. But in the meantime, take care of yourselves and good luck unwinding after that. We thought we were going, but actually we are right back with you because just as we came off the podcast, we got the breaking news relating to Sebastian Vettel. And of course, we wanted to bring it straight to you guys. Luke, take it away. What have we heard? Okay, so Sebastian Vettel has been disqualified from the Hungarian Grand Prix. Uh, As we said in the podcast, cars are required to provide a one litre fuel sample at the end of the race. Uh, Vettel's car, the FIA, only found 0.3 litres. It's been quite a lengthy period back and forth. the uh, Aston Martin uh, team principal, Otmar Safnauer, he's been down at the FIA a lot. Um, I think at least he's he's been in the stewards office at least twice pleading his case. Uh, but we've got the bulletin through. Um, 
FIA said that they could only pump 0.3 litres of fuel out of the car. Now, Aston Martin, they argued during the hearing, um, the document, I'm going to read it as it says it. The team principal of Aston Martin stated that there must be 1.44 litres left in the tank, but they are not able to get it out. This figure is calculated using the FFM. Basically, what Aston are saying is that the fuel is in there, but they just can't get it out. That doesn't cut it with the FIA. So uh, the FIA have said car number five is not in compliance with the requirements of Article 6.6 of the FIA technical regulations. That obviously says that you must have one litre of fuel when required. And uh, yeah, therefore, he's disqualified. So that promotes Lewis Hamilton into second place, meaning his championship lead is now up to eight points over Max Verstappen. Uh, Carlos Sainz gets third. So that's what his second podium finish for actually standing on the podium. And uh, yeah, good news for Williams because Latifi and Russell move up to 7th and 8th and that gets them an extra 4 points for the Constructors' Championship and Alfa Romeo after all of that they come away with a, a point as well for Kimi Raikkonen in 10th There you have it look at that bringing it straight to you Jess any thoughts we sort of knew it was coming but here it is I mean it's naff isn't it it's naff after a race like that <laughs> it's just a bit but as as we said I'll stick I'll stick to what I said sorry that's the technical <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long day, all right? It I think that's what Otmar Safnauer said in the hearing as well. I'm sure actually. that's exactly that's what Otmar Safnauer said. No, it's just, you know, after a race that we saw like that, when we've seen such good racing, it's, it is disappointing to see somebody get taken out on a technical infringement. But as I will stick to what I said before, it's a, that is a serious thing. Um, I love the fact that Aston are trying to say the fuel's in there, you just can't get it out. I would love to see them try and extract the fuel that the FIA can't um we were talking we were talking whilst we went off air before this news broke about the BAR uh secret fuel compartment and I'm I bet they're wishing that they had that right now so that they could extract more fuel uh not that that would probably land them in any uh more fortunate situations they find themselves in now but there we go yeah I mean it changed the race result it's a massive blow for Aston it's a massive blow for Vettel after what was a, a brilliantly dro- driven race. But that's Formula 1. And if you break the technical rules, they are extremely harsh. I mean, when we first heard about this, it was pretty much a slam dunk penalty. We were expecting a disqualification because this is these are those kinds of infringements where it's kind of like, this is <laughs> if we can't get fuel out, we can't get fuel out, and that's it, you're illegal. So there we go. A bit of a shame. Um, to be walking away from that with the this is the result so late after the race finishing but it's Formula 1 and that's all from us for real this time I mean if anything else breaks we will not be back <laughs> but there we you have sleep. it <laughs> yeah calling you both to wake you up we need to jump back on the podcast <laughs> Sebastian Vettel disqualified from the Hungarian Grand Prix bumping the others up a position that is it from us for Give This Time. Thank you both for joining me once again. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The world is waiting. Waiting for new thinking. For bold ideas that embrace a globally connected community. 
working together to create a better future for all. And that future, it can be found here at UC Riverside. Bold hearts, brilliant minds. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.